This is News Source 1 Michiana. Your balanced source of news for the community. Welcome to Michiana Speak Out with Keith Thews. An interactive podcast where we can talk to you or you can speak to us. The show begins right after the national news. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Customers are finding a trip to the grocery store is more like a scavenger hunt. Virus troubles and severe weather leaving those grocery store shelves bare. Having trouble finding your favorite crackers or lunch meat? It's not just you. Shortages are happening nationwide at U.S. grocery stores as the Omicron surge and severe weather add to pandemic labor and supply chain issues. The Consumer Brands Association says the percentage of items out of stock has climbed from the usual 5 to 10 percent to 15 percent. Weather-related events, from snowstorms to wildfires, have also hit shipping and product availability. Benjamin Whiteley in Washington, D.C., told the AP he was disappointed to find empty vegetable bins and a sparse selection of turkey, chicken, and milk. ConAgra Brands, which makes everything from frozen vegetables to canned chili, told investors that supplies will be constrained for at least the next month due to Omicron-related absences on food production lines. I'm Jennifer King. Also at SRNews.com, Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman says NATO members have sent out a challenge to Russia. To de-escalate tensions, choose the path of diplomacy, to continue to engage in honest and reciprocal dialogue so that together we can identify solutions that enhance the security of all. In Brussels, the U.S. and NATO rejecting a key Russian security demand for easing tensions over Ukraine. Russian President Vladimir Putin insists that NATO must stop inviting in new members. But Sherman says we will not slam the door shut on NATO's open-door policy. And the U.S. Army is offering a maximum enlistment bonus of $50,000 to highly skilled recruits who sign up for six years. The service struggling to lure soldiers and to certain critical jobs amid the continuing pandemic. Stocks have moved higher now. The Dow is up 20 points. The Nasdaq ahead 52. This is SRN News. A small victory. Uh, victory for religious freedom in Egypt. The government has finally released Rami Camille, a Coptic Christian activist who had been held in pre-trial detention for more than two years. Camille heads a human rights group that was formed in 2011 after the military gunned down 20 Copts who were conducting a peaceful protest. Coptic Solidarity Worldwide has released a statement saying, quote, he should never have been arrested. We call for all the charges against him to be dropped without precondition. Michael Harrington, SRN News. Israel will begin allowing same-sex couples to have children through surrogate mothers starting this week. This past summer, Israel's highest court annulled parts of a surrogacy law that prevented homosexuals from having children through a surrogate. The state had argued that the law was intended to protect surrogate mothers, but the court ruled that it would be possible to strike a balance that would not discriminate. This is SRN News. Sweden's government has earmarked some $661 million for a temporary plan to help the most affected households across that country cope with high electricity bills this winter. Some 1.8 million households will likely get help footing soaring bills. Sweden's one-party minority social democratic government is expected to get majority backing for the plan in the 349-seat Riksdag. 
Homeowners in Sweden have already started adopting strategies to lower their consumption, such as turning down the heating and using alternative heat sources. Correspondent Jeremy House. The Berlin International Film Festival will take place next month, despite rising virus numbers in Germany. Strict pandemic measures will be applied to the 72nd edition. Only people who have been vaccinated or have recently recovered from an infection will have access. More details at srnnews.com. I'm John Scott. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. Calls are growing for the resignation of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, and some of them are coming from within his own party. The Prime Minister on Wednesday acknowledged that he did attend a party in the garden of Number 10 Downing Street last May that appears to have breached lockdown regulations that were in force at the time. In Parliament, he apologised and said that with hindsight, he should have left the event and instructed its attendees to return to work. Even the Prime Minister's defenders, like the leader of the House of Commons, Jacob Rees-Mogg, now concede their man is in difficulty. This is obviously serious, otherwise the Prime Minister wouldn't have made the statement that he made today and the apology that he gave and recognising the anger that there is with people whose family members died. So politics is not about life being easy for Prime Ministers uh, and it would be hard to argue that this is um, an easy day. With more, Ollie Barrett in FSN's London Bureau. For a lot of MPs, this has been a cumulative process. They've uh, given Boris Johnson many chances, but as I say, it's it's been scandal after scandal, controversy after controversy, perceived misstep by the government after perceived misstep, and many of them are running out of patience. In other news, President Biden's approval rating has slumped to just 33% in the latest Quinnipiac University poll. The news came on the day inflation in the United States reached its highest level for 40 years, 7% in the year to December. Adding to the president's woes, over 62,000 more Americans are projected to die from COVID-19 in the coming month. With that story from FSN's New York bureau, Sarah Walton. The CDC forecast suggests deaths from COVID-19 are expected to rise steadily over the next four weeks. It predicts the number of fatalities from the virus each day could hit an average of 2,624, up from the current figure of 1,715. Daily hospitalizations are also expected to increase from just under 18,000 to 48,000 by February the 4th. One other headline today, a New York judge has denied an effort by Britain's Prince Andrew to secure the dismissal of a civil lawsuit accusing him of sexual abuse. Lawyer Lisa Bloom, who represents several of Jeffrey Epstein's alleged victims, explains what happens next. So we enter the discovery phase, which is when both sides will have to sit for depositions. They will have to answer questions under oath from attorneys. Uh, Those are usually video recorded as well as transcribed by a court reporter. They have to exchange documents, information. They can ask each other written questions that must be responded to in writing under oath. Uh, This phase generally takes about nine to 12 months and then the case goes to trial. Prince Andrew's accuser Virginia Jufre could seek an out-of-court settlement, but in a statement today, her lawyer says she's determined to have the case heard in court. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. 
With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, looking in more detail today at the parlous state of the aviation industry. Heathrow Airport disclosed yesterday that more than half a million passengers cancelled their Christmas flights in the UK as the Omicron variant rapidly spread. That erased hopes of a Yuletide recovery for the sector, and travel industry executives say uncertainty over COVID-19 testing requirements and shifting travel restrictions are adding to their anxiety about the year ahead. John Holland Kay is Heathrow's chief executive. He says it's very hard to forecast how rapidly the aviation sector will recover. Our best view is that we will get to about 45 million passengers this year. So um, that's a doubling of more than doubling of what we saw last year. So that's a, a very significant growth, but still a long way from being fully recovered. It could get worse than that, of course. Um, We may well see further um, variants of concern coming out, which will mean that we'll see borders being closed once more. What we are seeing is it's quite peaky. Very few people travel in January. It really comes back to um, the the few people who can get away and, of course, business travellers. But even they are reluctant to fly when there's a concern that they might not be allowed back into the country. And he says Heathrow normally would have seen 7 million people passing through the airport over Christmas. But last month, fewer than half that number walked its halls. The main news again. Calls are growing for the resignation of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and some of them are coming from within his own party, following his admission that he attended a party that breached lockdown restrictions. President Biden's approval rating has slumped to 33% in the latest Quinnipiac University poll and a New York judge has denied an effort by Britain's Prince Andrew to secure the dismissal of a civil lawsuit accusing him of sexual abuse. And that is the latest Feature Story News. Simon Marks reporting. Happy Hump Day! It is the 12th of January. It's the day after the big State of the State Address, which we have in our playlist on our iRadio channel. How are you doing out there? Uh, This is Keith Thews, and you're listening to Michigan Speak Out have to say, uh, it was my first experience watching it on TV. I, I listened to it once a few years ago on 95.3 on the radio. Um, so it was a definitely a, a learning and experience uh, to, and, and a compare and contrast to the, uh, the National State of the Union speech, which is just coming up at the end of the month with uh, President Biden. Um, thought it was a pretty rosy speech, and, and Governor Holcomb was... Uh, touting a lot of uh, economic success, uh, rah rah for the Hoosier state uh, throughout the whole thing. Um, and but I wanted to get some reaction from uh, from the Democrats because I did not hear a, a Democratic response. And so I've reached out to Chad Crabtree, who will be coming up next uh, with an interview I just had. Um, for his uh, for his comments and thoughts, and we're also going to be looking at uh, election 2022 for the midterms uh, to see who is on the ballot. Uh, get some things as it is uh, January, and uh, we're going to be touching upon that in my interview with Chad Crabtree from Elkhart County Democrats. Overall, going back to the speech. Um, I thought it was interesting that he brought up the recent article that we rank number six in uh, migration for the state. 
He also touted a uh, continued balanced budget. He mentioned that there is a, uh, a surplus and uh, a, a re refund that will be coming back to us. I know that there's been some discussion in the media about whether to allocate more funds for refunds or to put it into something else with the state budget. But uh, I know from what we've talked or has been mentioned, um, we should all get a refund of about $115 to $125 um, in our tax return from the state this year, um, courtesy of what the governor has said. Teachers are supposed to be getting a raise. Uh, they're trying to balance out at $40,000 for the, the districts. Uh, in the school districts. I know when I started teaching back in 2000, I believe my pay was at, uh, or most teachers' pay was at about $26,000. So such a substantial, substantial raise for, for the next school year. I liked how he touted and talked uh, about the success story of the uh, young African-American entrepreneur. He also brought up the matter of um, the gentleman and his mom for doing business at their personal residence in connection with the broadband. I was disappointed that I didn't get a chance to hear part of the middle of the speech because Channel 34's coverage of the speech was distorted, although our broadcast has it with no distortion um, from an Indianapolis station. Toward the end, Governor Holcomb at the end did bring up COVID, pleaded with everybody to please get their shots regardless of the, the party affiliation. And sad to say, 19,000 Hoosiers have died since this pandemic came into our state. 19 thousand which is is pretty sad i don't know what the comparison is to the uh spanish flu 1917 to 1919 uh where we stand in that but uh overall it seemed to be a pretty rosy speech he didn't though bring up the matter of this hot button issue with the uh legislation for education that I brought up in, in Passionate on Monday, nor did he bring up another issue of marijuana for the state. When we come back, my interview with Chad Crabtree for the Democrats' rebuttal from the county perspective here on Michigan Speak Out for Hump Day, the 12th of January. Looking for a very warm and friendly church to attend? Come to Elkhart Bethel UMC at Michigan and Simonton Streets. Sunday Hymns Worship is at 9 a.m. followed by Cookie Fellowship and Sunday School. This is News Source 1 Michiana. A place of news from both the right and the left. When major news is affecting the world. We have you covered with comprehensive feeds and stories from the affected areas. No third person reporting. Tell your friends about your new online balanced station. News Source 1 Michiana. Hey, Keith. Hi, Chad. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. 
We're talking on the line with Chad Crabtree from Elkhart County Democrats on the day after the speech. So talk to me. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the speech and give me your thoughts on it? <laughs> I did. Um, you know, it was uh, a lot of pomp and circumstance and, and bells and whistles. And apparently, um, according to the governor, the Indiana's financial strength and the uh, economic future is bright. So. Um, at least according to the governor, but there's one thing that he forgot to tell us was the truth, um, unfortunately. And how did we get to this bright economic future and the strength? Uh, you know, Keith, we, we owe it to the American Rescue Plan that was passed by the Democrats and the United States Congress, which is money that trickled down to the state of Indiana, which allows us to do these bright and uh, financial strength things. So, um, you know... Yeah, the governor can talk all he wants, but he doesn't give credit where credit's due um, in that sense. And, you know, I would actually give it a, a D plus if I would grade the governor's state of the union, state of the state. I'm sorry. OK, he was saying that we have been uh, with a balanced budget for at least I believe it was five years. Um, give me your thoughts on that. Well, I mean. We're supposed to have a balanced budget. We're constitutionally bound to do that. So I don't know why that's. Uh, okay. Uh, Chad, you still there? We're on the line with Chad Crabtree from Elkhart County Democrats. Did I lose you, Keith? Oh, there we go. Now we got you. Uh, one, what your comment was. Uh, we're, we're constitutionally bound to, to be in a balanced budget. So. To, to normally do that, it doesn't, uh, it kind of surprises me why we, why that's such a great feat when we're constitutionally bound to do that. Okay. The other thing that, uh, and I had heard this on the news, is that now we are ranking um, in the top 10 for uh, migration into the state of Indiana. I thought that was a, a, a big plus. I thought that was interesting as well. I have not seen the data on that, but if he received it from the U.S. Census, hopefully those numbers wouldn't be wouldn't be skewed. Um, but that be that would be interesting to see the population of who is actually moving to the state of Indiana. Okay. The other thing I was disappointed was I know he mentioned the expansion and the double tracking of the South Shoreline, but he didn't mention really anything else per pertinent to. Uh, to Michiana. Um, did you pick up anything different than what I was not picking uh, up? Unfortunately, nothing immediate comes to this area rec receiving it in the uh, Elkhart County or Michiana area in that sense, but, you know, the double tracking. And again, we can thank the double tracking uh, for the infrastructure bill that the U.S. Congress, the Democratic has, you know, the Democratic majority has passed. So, uh -huh. um, Again, it's all through the American Rescue Plan. I also um, noticed he waited until the end, and I thought it was very balanced how he described it, um, of his plea to everybody on the right and the left to get their shots and, you know, regardless of what they think, you know, because of health concerns. And, and, he, and I think he did a pretty good job at the end of discussing uh, – 
you know, the COVID-19. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I was disappointed because obviously something at the beginning of your speech is going to have the most priority or the most importance. And I was sad to see him to put that at the back and the very least of his uh, speech. That should be the main concern of Hoosiers across the state is the vaccine and the COVID virus. I know Governor Whitmer has took it to her her state of the state will actually be virtual because of the threat and the surge of COVID. Uh, I just heard this morning, Governor Jim Justice of West Virginia, a Republican, has COVID and has canceled his state of the state address that would be held this evening. Also, oh, wow. I'm disappointed there were very few masks in the chamber. Majority of them were on the Democratic side. Um, our local representative, State Senator Linda Rogers and State Representative Doug Miller were in the ma- in the crowd without masks. Yeah, I did know I did notice that, and this is really my first visual watch of the State of the State. I, I heard it once on ninety five three, yeah, a few years ago. I, I did notice a lot of uh, partisan um, standing up. You know, that goes to say with you know in the majority. Yeah, very similar. Um, you know, Democrats, Republicans. Also, I found it odd that the state Supreme Court justice was applauding. I thought they were supposed to be impartial. In the State of the Union, the Supreme Court justices do not clap. They do not stand. They just sit there. Was the the state uh, court justice, um, which party is he affiliated with? Well, the Supreme Court justice, she was appointed by Governor Holcomb, and she was the only justice that I saw that was there in her robes. And she was up by the, by the uh, rostrum. She did applaud many times at the governor's speech. Boy, that is interesting. And that just, Boy, you know, like, wait a minute. You're, you're, a, you're a member of the judicial, judicial branch. If you're going to be impartial, you really shouldn't applaud, stand, or otherwise – um, at the governor's speech. So I found that uh, very interesting. Are there any topics that Governor Holcomb failed to deliver on in the speech that you wish you covered? I know for me, um, I know that there's been talk in circles around the state on marijuana, whether to approve it or not approve it. And then well, obviously we've had this hot button issue with the education proposal in the Senate that infuriated me and I know Aaron Mishler was upset about it as well what what things did you notice I know um, he he, I was surprised he did touch on solar energy which was nice Um, he's supportive of that which even our own Elkhart County Council and commissioners are against uh, a solar farm here in Elkhart County I was disappointed he didn't touch on cannabis legalization which many more states are moving toward that um, um, option, whether it's recreational, medicinal, or a combination of the two. Um, he could have done a lot further on education. Um, educators are finally getting a pay raise that they haven't had in quite some time. Um, and then the COVID. I wish he would have talked more about COVID, and that should have been at the beginning of his speech. All right. And uh, is there anything else that you could say that was a positive uh, in addition to what you've mentioned so far that he brought up? Uh, positive? Uh, that it started on time. All right. 
All right. Well, I, I appreciate you bringing up the, the comments, Chad. I wanted to get reaction from from you, and I didn't hear any Democratic response, unlike the State of the Union. I, I was watching Channel 34 for, yeah. for the independent commentators and, and those that the lady picked um, for the reaction from both the right and the left. Right. On a different I'm, note, um, who do we have from the Democrats running for the different offices um, here in the primary in May? Well, we have uh, the, the filing has started. So uh, as chair, I'm encouraging individuals to file. The filing ends on Friday at noon, February 4th. We have a number of people that are interested in township offices as a larger offices. You know, we have county sheriff, commissioner, state representative. Uh, I have not had anybody express interest in me, interest to me yet, but there's still time. And state statute does allow me to appoint individuals or to slate those offices that are not filled by June 30th. All right. And so who so far is going to be running against Jackie in the primary on the Democrat we, side? We um, have not had a candidate announced yet, but I know one will emerge fairly soon. All right. Sounds sounds good. And uh, let me know when you're going to uh, have that name and, and we can talk a little bit more. Perfect. So, so, Chad, thank you so much for giving some comments. I know you've had a busy work schedule, and yeah. I've had a busy schedule myself. I appreciate you spending a few moments here with us on the program um, going over your reaction to the speech last night. I appreciate it, Keith. Thank you for everything that you do. No problem. And we will talk again soon. Okay, great. Have a great day. You too. And we'll be back Bye. with more here on Michigan Speak Out for Hump Day, the 12th. Take care and uh, stay safe. Stay. Hey, it's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet. Dude, remember? You crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in like forever. I get it, you're retired. But I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Michigan Speak Out with Keith. Thanks again to Chad Crabtree for that wonderful interview on uh, the state of the state address. Look forward to talking to Chad here again in the in the future. Well, on from talking about the governor to talking about our Pope. Through BreakingNewsEnglish.com, we have this article submitted. And if you are a pet lover, have your fur babies like I do, I have a feeling you're going to be quite upset. Here's BreakingNewsEnglish.com. Choosing pets over children is selfish, says Pope. This is BreakingNewsEnglish.com. The Pope has suggested that people who choose to have pets instead of children were acting selfishly. Pope Francis was addressing worshippers in Rome. He told his audience that substituting children for pets was a denial of fatherhood and motherhood. He added, Today we see a form of selfishness. We see that some people do not want to have a child. Sometimes they have just one, and that's it. But they have dogs and cats that take the place of children. Pope Francis encouraged couples to adopt children, he said. 
we must not be afraid to choose the path of adoption, to take the risk of welcoming children. Having a child is always a risk, but there is more risk in not having a child. It is not the first time Pope Francis has spoken out on this topic. In 2014, he said choosing pets over children was detrimental to our future. He called it a phenomenon of cultural degradation. He commented that the emotional relationship with pets was easier than the complex relationship with children. In continuing this theme, he called the downward trend in birth rates across many countries a demographic winter. Not everyone agrees with the Pope's comments. The New York Post pointed out the contradiction of Francis taking his name from St. Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of animals. It added, Dogs make us more human. They make us better. Dogs, I think, are superior to most people. All right. Well, Pastor Joel Irvin has been back this week with new episodes of Happy and Whole in Him. And they have been some awesome, hard-hitting, and very um, to-the-point commentary that he has been delivering. And so let's get the latest one, one that seems to be uh, very resonant, especially in 2020. Let's talk about truth and fake news. Here is Pastor Joel with Happy and Whole on Him. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. So who is the devil and what is he up to? Well, he's not a red pointy-tailed creature with horns, though he'd sure like us to think he is comical and unimpressive. The Bible says the devil, or Satan, is a supernatural cosmic being opposed to God our Creator. Jude 6 and Revelation 12 indicate he was a great angel who embraced evil and led a rebellion before he and his collaborators were cast down to earth. Now, if you're hoping Pastor Joel will speculate further on the devil's origins, you're going to be disappointed because Scripture doesn't tell us much. And when God's word stops speaking, it's prudent to do likewise. The devil first appears on the scene in Genesis 3. And what is he up to? Seeking to deceive the first humans. Satan's hatred of God makes humanity his particular target. Because you and I, my friend, we have been granted singular privilege. God made us in his image. Not even the angels in glory have been granted our unique status. And this is why the devil hates us so much. He hates that we're made in God's likeness. He wants nothing more than to destroy you and I, our family, our friends, our neighbors. Mark my words, friends. The devil has a plan for your life, and if you're dismissive of him, Satan has you right where he wants you. And I hope to make us increasingly aware of how the devil operates, and his tactics have not changed since the Garden of Eden. His tactic, his strategy is to disguise himself so we won't recognize who it is. Calvin notes that he chose a serpent to keep Adam and Eve from recognizing, seeing his true self. And we read in Mark 5.13 that evil spirits can inhabit animals. So why a serpent, Joel? Good question. Well, one reason is the serpent is a crafty creature, Genesis 3.1. Jesus himself says the serpent is shrewd, 
or wise, Matthew 10, 16. And crawling on its belly, well, that's a posture of humility, the opposite of the devil's true nature. The devil sees the serpent's natural gifts are ideal for his own twisted ends. So through the serpent, the devil says to the woman in Genesis 3, 1, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you'll die. And the devil says, Fake news! He tells her in verse 4, You will not certainly die. Do you see where Satan starts? What he first looks to do? He wants us to reject God's word. He wants us to believe it is not trustworthy. His question, did God really say? Is an invitation to take the posture of standing over God's truth instead of simply saying, amen, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And Satan comes in humility disguise, speaking a new word that he promises is better news than God's. Verse 5, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. My friends, Satan is the originator of fake news. His story is the first lie. Jesus says in John 8, 44, that the, devil's lie, that the devil lies because it is his native language. And he adds that, the devil is the father of lies. And all fake news sense is the result of our first parents believing his first false report. How many people today are living a lie because they believe fake news? And how can we guard ourselves against fake news so that we're not believing a lie? Well, let me ask you, who do you most listen to? There may be hundreds of voices that come at you every week. You realize that? So let me ask you, how often are you listening to God, taking in what is true? Yes, it's as simple as being in your Bible constantly, daily. I say this as someone who is also prone to believe fake news. That's why I must be in the truth all the time. I say this as a pastor who has witnessed Satan wreck so many people. I say this as a pastor who gets a half an hour or so on a Sunday to speak and I'm competing with the hours of other voices that people will hear all week long, all making promises and often disguised in humility. Folks desperately need to know the good news of God's word in order to recognize the fake news. So get going on a Bible reading plan and make 2022 a year of daily good news reports. We need God's word in our souls like we need pure water in our bodies. This is why I preach verse by verse through books of the Bible. This actually minimizes my chances of proof texting fake news. And it's why I tell my congregation not simply to trust me. They need to read the same word I preach and pray over it and work it out on their own. And I rejoice that so many are getting the real scoop because they come up to me or they call me up and they say, Pastor Joel, do you see this promise of God? And do you see what this means for my life? And I smile and give a simple praise to God. And I thank him that he is giving a preview of Satan being crushed under our feet. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to.
Hi everybody, this is Joe Walsh. One thing I do when I'm not playing rock and roll is get on the air as an amateur radio operator. Also called ham radio is a communication service provided by ordinary people just like you and me. Ham radio operators are everywhere in your city, your area, your neighborhood, in any country you go to. We have a national emergency communication system in place 24-7-365, in case of natural or man-made disasters, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, you name it, we're there. Find out more about amateur radio at arrl.org slash whatishamradio. See you on the air. And finally, as we wrap things up for today's podcast, which is also carried on our iRadio channel, we are again going to be covering the ABB Formula E World Championship. What is Formula E? It is an all-battery-powered electric Grand Prix racing series. And on our iRadio channel, we have the preview for Season 8, the 2022 World Driving Championship, which is going to be kicking off the last Friday and Saturday of this month for the 2022 racing calendar. But if you would like to have a tutorial 101, here it is from the ABB World Driving Championship. Formula E is an all-electric racing series. Teams of two cars and drivers race around city street circuits across the globe. Powered by fully electric powertrains, some of the world's biggest car manufacturers compete on a level playing field, guaranteeing close, unpredictable action and lots of overtakes. Attack mode enables all drivers to race at faster speeds for a period of time. Drivers must unlock attack mode by passing through the attack mode activation zone. Doing so costs them time initially, but they then gain additional power for a period. When drivers unlock attack mode, it's a strategic decision that can make the difference between winning and losing. As another way to increase power, Fan Boost allows you to vote for your favorite driver online. The drivers with the most votes can unlock an additional short power boost, enough to make a critical pass or defend against a non-rushing rival. Attack Mode is a higher power setting that each driver must use during every race. To unlock Attack Mode, a driver must drive through the Attack Activation Zone, initially losing time and maybe even positions. But they will receive additional power for a period of time, allowing them to attack again and overtake their rivals. The number of times it must be used and the duration it's available for varies from track to track. The teams and drivers only find out this key strategic information right before the race, leading to varied strategies that could impact the race's outcome. Before and during a Formula E race, you as the fans can vote for your favorite driver. The drivers with the most fan votes receive Fan Boost, a short blast of additional power. The drivers themselves decide when to use. Fan Boost lasts just a few seconds, but it could be enough to make a critical overtake or keep an attacking rival at bay. Formula E races last for 45 minutes plus one lap. Once the 45 minutes are up, drivers must complete the lap the lead car is on, and then one more full lap. Whoever crosses the finish line after this wins. Teams must be sure to correctly calculate and manage their energy usage and battery power. Failure to anticipate the likely number of laps could mean running out of juice. 
Points are awarded to the 10 cars to cross the finish line first. First place is awarded 25 points, and 10th place receives just one point, with the spots in between receiving gradually reducing amounts of points. Of these top 10 finishers, the driver that sets the fastest lap time gets an extra point. Three additional points are also awarded to the driver that sets the fastest time in qualifying. The driver with the most points at the end of the season becomes the new driver's champion. And the team with the most points gets crowned as the team's champion. Each of Formula E's teams has two drivers. The number of teams can change from season to season as new teams enter the series. There are two types of teams in Formula E, manufacturers and customer teams. The battery, chassis and bodywork are identical for all teams, but manufacturer teams design and produce their own powertrain components, including an electric motor and a few other technical parts. Customer teams can purchase complete cars from one of those manufacturers and enter the series independently. Qualifying takes place to determine the starting order for the race. The fastest drivers get to line up at the front, with the slowest at the back. The drivers are divided up into four groups based on reverse championship standing. Qualifying is made up of five sessions, four sessions for the different qualifying groups, and a final session called Super Pole. In group qualifying, each driver gets just one flying lap to set a time. At the end of group qualifying, the six fastest drivers go out one by one for the Super Pole shootout. While the other positions are set, Super Pole is a one-shot shootout to decide the starting order of the top six fastest drivers. The fastest driver starts in pole position, winning three championship points. Formula E is unlike any other race series, as all the action takes place on one day usually starting with two free practice sessions. Qualifying follows a couple of hours after practice. Then, it's on to the race. The race lasts for 45 minutes plus one lap. The race winner is the driver that crosses the line first. Second and third also get a place on the podium, with the top 10 finishers all scoring championship points. A podium ceremony for the top three drivers rounds off the day. The Race Village is a dedicated area for fans and their families to experience the world of all-electric street racing. There's live music, street food and entertainment, as well as a host of interactive displays from electric car manufacturers. Fans can set lap times on our race simulators, and the fastest fans are invited back to compete in a virtual race against Formula E drivers, while driver autograph sessions give everyone a chance to grab a selfie with their favorite driver. Check out FIAFormulae.com slash tickets to get all the info on upcoming events near you. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend.